0: Lights, camera, action. It is the upfront new front season. You know what that means. Money, money, money. It's the time of the year when the broadcasters, digital players, and various apps, they put on the show to attract media buyers and brands to invest in their respective advertising solutions. As part of our coverage, we are talking today with Bruce Neve, president of True Media Canada. He's been around the game for a while, seen a lot, made a lot of changes, and he's seen the industry grow and grow again and change again. He's here today to share more insight about what happened over the 2020 2022 upfront new front presentations Bruce how you doing man I'm doing well Dave how about yourself always good you know that so introduce the uh, introduce yourself to the folks
1: sure well as you said I'm Bruce Neve the president of true media in Canada uh, we we are a independent full-service media agency um, you know we, we believe we provide uh, you know an entre- entrepreneurial spirit and agility, and of uh, a small smaller agency, but we've got all the, the the tools and the technology and the data of a larger uh, hold co. So we've we provide, I, I believe, a unique solution in the marketplace for for advertisers, especially Canadian advertisers and uh, challenger brands.
0: All right. So upfront's all about the TV shows. Looking back last year, what were some of your favorite favorite shows of the season?
1: Well, I, I'd have to say, although they're not uh, ad supported necessarily, uh, yeah, you know, I love Ozark. Fun. Totally hooked on Ozark. I was, I was glad to see that uh, come uh, wrap up, and I thought the ending was great. And of okay, course, no
0: spoilers. Uh, not everybody's seen it yet.
1: Okay, all right. And uh, Squid Games. I mean, that that was a fun ride, unexpected. Um, although I kind of was hoping it would would have wrapped after one season. I'm not sure how they're going to follow up with the season. okay.
0: And now coming up, what are you looking forward to see?
1: Well, I'm a big fan of uh, Hillary Swank. So uh, her new show, Alaska, I think is going to be uh, really good and uh, um, yeah, different. And okay. um, uh, East New York looked uh, looked really like a really good ensemble cast. Yep. I think from the original producers of NYPD blue or so going going way back. Right, but, uh, old school, like yeah, old school. But look like a, a great cast and uh, kind of gritty, realistic. So looking forward to checking that out as well.
0: Okay, so again, as we look at the upfronts, you know, with COVID, uh, kind of in the rear rear view mirror, we're still in that hybrid model. Some were in person, some were not. What are some of the trends that you notice coming out of this year's upfronts?
1: Well, first of all, I, I'd have to uh, give kudos to to Bell for having a live event. I mean, a couple of thousand people, red carpet, celebrities from conventional shows and from the specialty side of things. Um, I think it made them look like a leader and stood out from the rest of them. I mean, maybe everyone will be back live next year, but they were the only ones live. And I think that the whole industry really fed off that. There was a lot of energy. So I think that was amazing. Um, okay. I mean, the trends, I think trends that continued were um, all of the uh, networks talking a lot about the data they have so that they have a deeper understanding beyond demographics of the audiences that their shows deliver. So, and, you know, I think that that's been a welcome trend. Um, and the other one is the move to having more inventory available for platform based buying, whether it's SAM or Cinch, and again, using the data. Um, which I think is, again, is bringing kind of digital-like buying and metrics to the, what you know, what was, I hate the word linear TV, but to, to the TV medium. Right. I think the other trend is uh, just the importance of partnerships for Canadian broadcasters, whether it's, you know, things like partnering a uh, chorus with Peacock Network and bringing that contact content or working, uh, uh, bringing Pluto streaming service this fall to Canada or um, Bell Media with their new partnership with the NFL. And they did say they're gonna have a lot more opportunities for advertisers within uh, NFL content, broadcast and digital. I think that's great. Um, What I was pleased to see a bit more of is the last couple of years, there's been less talk about the shows and the content. I still think it all comes back to the content. The quality of the content has to attract The audiences and maintain the audiences, engage the audiences. So, um, you know, I was happy to see a little bit more discussion about the stars and the shows and the producers and the schedule and not just about data and technology.
0: Okay, so nice mix. Yeah. Uh, Budgets, the things we love to have, the things we hate to be taken away from. Uh, looking back you know last year or this year how how or let's start last year how are you seeing how do you see the adjustment in clients' budgets
1: let's um, not to say i mean every client's different obviously and you know retail clients you know had a more of a challenge during the covid years especially if they had you know bricks and mortar and you know if they were closed for certain periods of time or doing curbside pickup um I mean, there was a an acceleration by a lot of clients uh, in terms of their own ability to uh, deliver on you know, e-commerce, cribside pickup and delivering things. And along with that, there was a reallocation of, of some dollars uh, to digital platforms away from offline. I mean, outdoor and transit obviously suffered the most during COVID. Um people were streaming more content. So, you know, connected TV um, started to accelerate in terms of of audience delivery, but also the ability to connect with those audiences. So um, those are some of the the bigger trends. I mean, some clients reduced budgets. Um, Most clients or every client wanted more flexibility. Because at certain times, they didn't know what the next three months are going to look like. So you know they didn't want to be locked and loaded for six months or nine months with, without the opportunity to perhaps pivot to a, a different strategy.
0: Now, again, you've been around the industry for for a while. So you've seen lots of change. And probably one of the biggest changes that's coming is this idea of a cookily, cookie-less world. How is your agency preparing clients for that?
1: Um, well, you know, the we've been for about three years now, and in anticipation of the clickless world, we've been testing and learning, you know. Um, and overall, I think it's a positive thing. I hope it will be. I hope it leads to more engaging creative creative formats. I think it, it definitely re- will reduce the focus on things like last click and click through rates and, and shift to more business metrics and brand metrics. Um, so yeah, we've been looking at different strategies. Um, First-party data, obviously, more and more important. Not every client has a wealth of first-party data, which obviously has to be um, anonymized and encrypted to use. Um, Probably more spending with walled gardens like Facebook and Instagram. And we've seen the growth recently of the vertical players, retail players, such as Walmart Connects and Loblaws and Instacart. And several more Amazon, because they can track the customer. You know, obviously within their own wild garden. So, um, a lot of testing and learning. And I, I think even though CPMS um, may be higher, um, it, it's we should focus on business metrics. And um, yeah, I, I think there's going to be an impact on maybe a better user experience, maybe less clutter. The perception at least of increased privacy, less ad frequency. So um, I I think overall it's a good thing and we're not waiting for it to be totally cookie-less. We've been testing and learning and, and trying different things over the last three years.
0: Sweet, so you're ahead of the game. We hope so. All right, so what impact has the pandemic had on consumer shopping habits?
1: As I touched on earlier, I mean a lot of consumers for the first time, were, were forced to, sh- to shop online, um, and I think a lot of them got um, you know got got used to the to the convenience and and, and the speed, and uh, some of that uh, behavior is going to stick as we come out of the, out of the uh, the pandemic. Um, but I do think a lot of people miss the retail experience and the mall experience. I mean, I think it really depends on the category. I mean, certain things, low interest things that you can just order online and get delivered to your door. It's great. But I I think, um, some people miss the experience of shopping in person. Um, especially if, you know, the retailers and, uh, provide a, you know, a good experience when you're at the store or at the mall, I think, you know, you have to give them a reason to leave their home and, and go shop, whether it's, you know, engagement, whether it's interactivity, uh, virtual experiences, product sampling. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it definitely accelerated online shopping in Canada, we were behind, it really dependent on the category as well. And a lot of that will continue, but I do think that a lot of people miss that experience of shopping
0: in store. And so it's, it's going to continue to be a mix of both. Right. The, um, the term nuclear family, it seems to be a thing of the past as again, the definition of family has changed really maybe forever who controls the household budget and how do brands target that person today and tomorrow?
1: That's a great question. I mean, yeah, I mean, what, what, what we visualize as a family, you know, 20 years ago, and, and who made the decisions um, was, was a lot simpler than the complexity that we deal with today. Um, so I think it comes back to using research and, and data and um, planning tools that we have to identify the audience, specific audiences and priority audiences for your specific brand and your client. You know, where's the volume gonna come from, you know, um understand their behaviors, their lifestyle, their relationship to technology, their media habits, and paint a, a much richer picture. Um, you know, and, and the beauty of you know of, of a lot of the digital platforms is is you you can um engage your different personas and audience segments with different creative, which I think, you know, media working very closely with creative. So that you know, the creative message re- reflects the audiences that you want to reach and it reflects their lifestyle and their interests and their affinities. Um, and I think that, that can be, you know, very powerful. I mean, you might have um, kind of a, a halo, more mass message for across all your audience groups, but the ability to, to do more um, razor sharp targeting with media. But I think you also need to be testing uh, creative as well and have a variety of creative to test the impact and connect with the consumer in, in a way that's meaningful and authentic for them so that they, they feel that like they are being uh, engaged um, with an understanding of who they are and what they believe in and what motivates them and what's different about them.
0: You, um, you talked about measurement, you talked about first-party data, but at the same time, you also did say that some clients, some brands, not necessarily clients, we won't say that part. Some brands are not necessarily collecting first-party data. Why not? Like um, it seems like it's an important thing for them to be doing, but they're not.
1: Well, as much as they're not, I, I just think in some cases it's just the scale of the first-party data, you know, isn't big enough to you know rely on that. You know, it's part of the solution, but I mean they've they've got to scale up their first party data um, obviously opted in um, and then you have to, you know, you know match it, you know, I, I find them um, mm-hmm. on other platforms you know, using live ramp or other, other, other partners. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, a lot, a lot of, uh, a lot of clients, um, you know, were, we're behind in that uh, in terms of building a scalable, large, first party, um, audience pool. And it's going to be critically important moving forward. Um, in the cookieless world, um, the, you know, increasingly private world. Um, yeah, I mean, and you have to, you have to give people a reason to, to want to be part of your first party
0: data. Now you're obviously a Netflix user, because two of the shows, two of your favorite shows are on the net on Netflix. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What, what impact are you noticing that streaming services are having on broadcasters, traditional broadcasters?
1: Well, first of all, the traditional broadcasters are, you know, streaming all their content now too. So, I mean, that's the good thing is that, you know, you can, we talk about buying total TV. So if we're buying TV from whether it's Rogers or Bell or chorus or CBC, besides buying, you know, their linear feed, you know, we're, we're going to buy Gem, we're going to buy Sportsnet now, we're going to buy um, on the you know, TV apps and CDTV apps. So, you know, they are reaching people that prefer to stream um, or chorus with a stack TV or now Pluto, which they're, they're bringing to Canada. So I think it's been good. It's accelerated innovation by the, call them traditional broadcasters. Um, Know, whether they're going to get there or not, I mean, I also um, believe that um, it's 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 impacted content um, in some ways. I mean, the content on Netflix and other cha- other streamers, non ad supported, is edgier. The language, the sexuality, that it it takes some more risks. I, I'm seeing some of that reflected in the content coming from traditional broadcasters not all the time a lot of the traditional broadcasters it's all about a proven format so you get you know law and order times five and ncs times five and etc 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 rather than trying something brand new and i mean and, and clients want you know reliability and, and proven and and that's part of that but um I think the, the innovation that uh, you're seeing from, from Netflix, from a user experience and from navigating their platform, I think that's having an effect on the traditional broadcasters in a positive way.
0: Okay. So the big, uh, you know, industry buzz news is Netflix and how they're now going to be adding an ad supported tier. Yeah. What impact do you ha- Do you feel that I will have number one on Netflix and then number two on the overall streaming industry?
1: Well, as a as a advertiser, I'm really excited about Netflix adding um, having an ad supported uh, offering, mm-hmm. and Disney Plus as well, and, and I'm sure there'll be others. As a consumer, maybe less so, but that's going to give us access to lots of of audiences in lots of time periods, lots of engaged viewers that we don't have access to right now. So that's that's extremely exciting for me. Um, I was talking earlier about Netflix as some of the content, whether it's Squid Games or Ozark and, and some of the, quite frankly, the language, the violence, the sexuality. What I hope doesn't happen is some advertisers may be somewhat reluctant to be near that type of content. So will Netflix then start to water down their content somewhat to make it more accessible to the masses? I hope not. Okay. I also hope they don't just take a conventional broadcaster approach and start loading 10 or 12 minutes of ads an hour. I mean, right. I think they can charge a premium to have fewer ads to use, use the data they have to um, better target uh, our ads. And I also think they can be innovative. I mean, why not sell sponsorships of different genres or, you know, when a new program comes out and all the episodes are released at once, Mm -hmm. I don't know what the number is, but maybe 70% of the people um, watch, watch the whole season in like two weeks, you know, why not have an advertiser bring that whole season to you for that two week period and, uh, you know, reaching, you know, millions of people and then drop off. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that there, there are some uh, programs on Netflix that they've, purchase where they don't necessarily have the rights to, um, have, uh, midstream ads. Um, that's so going to be interesting. You know, some people think they, may, they might also look for global partnerships and, and, you know, they may go to the top 20 average global advertisers and say, let's, let's do deals, which, which might reduce our opportunity with some of our Canadian only clients to, to get involved. I, I hope, again, I hope not. So, okay. um, so I'm excited. They got great content. They got great targeting. The data, um, it's reach extension. It's an engaged audience. Let's see what the costs are and the CPMs. I'm sure will be very premium. Um, yeah, look, looking forward to it as an advertisement. Effect <laughs> uh, on Netflix. I mean, as we've seen, their, their, their subscriptions have been leveling out, if not declining. People share their, their logins. They're spending billions in content, um, which they can't, it's not sustainable. So they have to have another revenue source. So I'm, I'm sure some smart person is able to do the numbers to say, okay, if we if we offer Netflix at 9.99 and, and X percent of people take on that 9.99 ad supported model with this inventory at this price, this is the, the amount of incremental revenue that we'll be able to, to generate. So I'm sure that someone's tumbling those numbers and hopefully that means they can continue, continue to invest in great content and, and different content uh, like they are now. but uh, it, it didn't seem like it was sustainable. I mean, there's so many streaming options now. Um, I think there's going to be consolidation. It's just, there's just too many, too many of them. Um, consolidation in ownership, or maybe it's consolidation in, in packaging. So maybe they maybe you can get th- three different streaming services ad supported at right. X price versus buying them individually with no ads at
0: triple. Interesting. So being the president of true media, Canada, you're in a unique position where you not only see um, Canadian brands, but you also see American us ones and global brands. Typically Canadian marketers don't have as big of budgets being the position that you've been in for, for these years, you probably see things at a different standpoint. So, what is it that Canadian marketers can do to reach global audiences? Any tips, advice for them? To reach global audiences
1: out of Canada? Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, great question. I mean, we've we've seen a lot of Canadian companies stumble when they started to expand to the U.S. just because the Mm -hmm. cost of entry is is so high. Um, Right. I think the approach needs to be obviously a a test and learn approach. So you you minimize the initial investment to get more learning on on what works or what doesn't work. Um, I think obviously digital search, social has opened up opportunities to expand um, out out of Canada in a more cost affordable way, you know, versus, you know, 20 years ago, trying to buy a big TV campaign in the US, or, or you know, go to Europe, um, so, you know, Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and Google and take you take you global and take you there in a, you know incremental steps so you can test and learn, find your audiences, um, and look to expand your business that way.
0: Okay. My final question for you today. It's going to be a tough one now. I want you to put on your uh, future prediction hat on, if you will. What do you see as the future of upfronts and new fronts?
1: Um, that's a great question. I mean, a, a couple of years ago, I, I might have said that they're getting, they're less important than they used to be. Um, which, you know, Perhaps they are. As I said, clients are looking for more flexibility. Um, they want they want to have solid business plans before they're making commitments too early in the upfront, COVID kind of turned things a little bit on, their, on the head. Um, so I, I still think the, the upfronts are important, but I, I think they're important in, in that they, they should be celebrating what's wonderful about our industry, which is, the, the, I believe it's the content, it's the celebrities, it's the shows, it's the um, opportunities to engage audiences uh, in big, exciting um, platforms that reach Canadians from coast to coast. Um, that's why I think the, the live upfronts are important. I mean, if 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 the broadcasters aren't excited about their content, and the agencies aren't excited about the content, why do we think that our clients are going to be excited, or the audiences are going to be excited? So, sure, um, good point. So I think it's more important in, in perception that we are in a, the entertainment business. We are in the creativity business um, and that we should be, like I said, um, excited, celebrated, energized, um, informed um, so that our, that our clients and audiences feel that way and um, our creative par-
0: agency partners as well. There you have it. The man, the living legend, Bruce Neve, <laughs> uh, sharing his day. insights. Thank Enjoy you for the your time, sir. All right, All right. We'll see you at the next cocktail reception. Sure will. Live. All right.